What's up everyone? This is Homie and the Dude, and we are here and pleased to have, what is this, AMA 3.0, number three. I am going to be the MC. I'm Tom. I am here with the creators of the Sky Zephyr Overlay, Tony, out in the East Coast, Bodie right next to me here in Bristol, England. We are happy to be here, and uh, we thought we'd switch this up a little bit today. Well, we're going to do a little bit of a blend. You, you know, the usual kind of picking up all the questions in the Discord channel for the AMA questions, and then also open it up to any other general questions that anyone might have about, I don't know, us, stuff, whatever. Hokage, what's up? Saying yo, yo in the chat. What's poppin', dude? Thanks for joining us already. Thanks for, for, for hopping in there. Yo, yo. Yo, yo, <laughs> yo, yo. Hokage. I miss yo, yos. They were fun. They were fun. Yo yo. Did you have uh? Did you have tricks that you did? Did you do? Did you do like what is it called? Walking the dog? Is that no? That's oh, I did this incredible thing with the yo yo. I would flick it down and I couldn't never get it back up. <laughs> it would just spin and then it would get like halfway and I'm just like I don't I don't understand you. But I tried. <laughs> I gave it the good old college try. <laughs> you tried. You tried. Well, let me just set the scene here. Um, we are gonna have up, up to two hours for anyone that wants to have a, a conversation about specifically the Sky Zephyr overlay that we're doing for the Kickstarter. But on top of that, if you have any other questions about us, about how we operate at Homie and the Dude, about Tony and Bodie's creative process, about anything at all, even really. even just us as people. You know, if you want to get to know us, you want to ask just some questions about who we are and stuff, because you want to know the people behind the, the stuff that you're you know that that's getting made for you then feel free to launch away in the chat and we'll uh, we'll try and get to as many of those questions as possible we'll shout you guys out and make sure um that it's known about we are people too we yeah. don't just <laughs> create awesome dnd 5a content um so yeah ask away yeah so here let's let's do this let's we've done this every uh ama i think it'd be good just for any new viewers that are here to just take a step back and set the scene on uh, very briefly now for those of you that have been here for a while and uh, have heard this before, but just a little bit of a, um, a step back and look at the journey a little bit of where we started. I think it was back in, is May feel right to you guys? May? Um, yeah, May, yeah, yeah, somewhere around. Comes I mean, down to which year at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, so May... Somewhere in that, yeah, for sure. May was sort of the 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 moment, the starting moment for Sky Zephyr combat project. We can do this, we will do this, this is going to happen, it's going to be a Kickstarter. But previous to that, there has been ongoing creation of all sorts of different elements of D&D content, supplements and NPCs that are stat blocked and magical items and spells and you name it for a couple of years is right, isn't it, Tony? Oh yeah, I think we're at least at two. I think I think we started off in May of 2020. Yeah, yeah, something, something like around that. there. Yeah, and so since then we have been dutifully. You guys have been in your lab, and I actually I was talking to Bodie the other day, Tony. I want that to be a, a live stream. I want you guys coming out of this Kickstarter, um, or maybe even leading up to it potentially. But certainly, if you're up for it and your schedule is able. I'd love for you guys to capture your creative process, almost like have a um, a brainstormy type live stream where you're just coming up with ideas on things that eventually do become actual 
you know, product, but sometimes they don't. You know, some things die on the, you know, die on the vine. <laughs> Plenty of ideas <laughs> we've come up with have not say, actually, panned out. Is it, is it maybe most things? Is it? Is, I was going to say it's either most things have either not panned out or it's we've got a bunch of stuff that, like, if we ever needed to release it, it's always there. Do you know what I mean? Like, we've got so much lore and stuff about our world at this point that, like, there's so many, so many things that we could use that we just don't because it's like who needs to know who the thirtieth cousin of the of the third god related to you know the the you know this that and the other like no one no one needs to fucking know that like except for us we're the only two you know what we have had numerous deep multiple hour conversations on is the deep lore of the sky realm and the land realm that there is probably a less than 5% chance any player would ever run into it. Yeah. 100%. That we have, we have, for those, you know, stay tuned to future things far into the future. But, um, you know, a lot of, but a lot of knowing that for us helps infer how a lot of things would have then happened into the modern day, right? You know, we're nerds. We like to build worlds. We like to make sure that everything makes sense. If this happens, then well, this probably happened. If that probably happened, then you know, a bunch of islands are floating above the air in a whole separate biosphere. Like logically, <laughs> it just makes perfect sense. It's cause and effect, really. That's how which are super Cameron fun fell into it, and that's how we've fallen into it. Um, but yeah, dude, I think you know it's one of those things where you know we've been building for a while, but I think you know come into the head of this kickstarter it's one of those things that we feel like is a first good step into the the pool of you guys getting to see what we have been working on outside of you know just the you know our our actual play live stream which has a lot of the world and lore and things like that involved in it but outside of that you know this is something that you guys can not only use in all of your stuff but also heavily relates to the world that we have and, and things like that and that's how it started cool. it started yeah. with you know the, the bigger step back from and and we'll we'll hit your uh, a qu your, answer your question, um, Hokage eighty nine hundred. There is no question. It's 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 all statements. Uh, okay. No, I, I think I think um, Hokage wants to know about our process, our creative process that we like to use. Um, hey, we so, can start there. Yeah. I'm no, done. that's. I, I think that will actually be be pretty interesting. Um, so, but do we want to create a monster right now? <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I'm I'm down for it. If that's what people want, we could create a monster right now that works in the Skyrim. After after you know, we talk about some other stuff. Just a thought. Um, yeah. So look, the creative Go process. Um, I mean, so, I, so Hokage says, looking forward to hearing about the process you'll use. Uh, also looking forward to hopefully getting to test the system, dude. We would love to have you test the system, and you're going to be surprised absolutely. how close we are. Uh, to getting that, you know, getting to that point at this point. And um, hopefully today you'll also get to see some of what you'll hopefully be playtesting as we uh, as we are going to be showing you guys some juicy stuff a little bit later. Um, but in terms of creative process, like, you, it depends what you're talking about. We have different creative processes for different things. So when it comes to writing the airship combat stuff, that process is a little bit different to when we do stat blocking as to when, you know, we're doing world building stuff. So... I guess um, what I think. Let's 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 go with Sky Zephyr yeah. stuff um, cool. and 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 how that that process works and li literally take it through the, you know, how you guys operate. You know, what 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 is the schedule? What is the how, how does a meeting look? All of those things. Well, we typically meet uh, on a Tuesday. 
and it's typically at 3 p.m. my time, 10 a.m. Tony's time, I believe. Um, yep. And we, thanks, I have getting those time zones finally down after <laughs> fucking years. Um, and then we, we come together and whatever's on the agenda, so typically, you know, if it's, you know, tick off at the moment, we're working on getting you guys example pages of what is in the book, you know, so you guys can start getting PDFs of content from the book, start seeing what the book is going to be looking like from the inside, not just the, you know, beautiful cover that we've shown a couple times and things like that. Um, and so, for example, if we're working on something like that, I'll be like, cool, for these example pages, we need to tick these things off. Actually, no, that's a lie. I totally lie. We sit and talk for like at least five, ten minutes about absolute bullshit. And we talk about how each other's lives are. We talk about, you know, how our partners are doing and how Tony's house has got another thing wrong with it. And how <laughs> I'm sick again somehow and, I'm, and, and I've come down with another ailment again. And so, you know, we, do, we just talk the shit for a little bit. And then we, you know, get into, you know, our checklist of like, cool, what do we need to take off? For today and, and and what does that look like and typically it's us going over stuff that we've written in last time or last time we got together discussing things that we did last time uh then either building on that same thing if it's yet to be finished or kind of then i would say um you know creating something new and and, and you know doing that if that's what's required as well yeah um any, anything yeah. to add to any, any bits i missed there i think one of the things that uh, I I think we do incredibly well is inferring on one decision how that impacts other things. Yeah. Um, when we're talking about the creative process, so I know we've mentioned in previous live streams that our um, ships are powered by crystals. What? It, but the immediate next question is, what are the implications of those crystals existing? Mm. They could probably be used in ways outside of ships. They must have another use. Why would you have something this important, this powerful, but you only use it for a ship? So how are they reused? How are so? And that infers magic items, systems, um, how even certain cultures are built, right? Because this thing, if you had one of these big enough that had that much power, what could a culture or a group manage to do? And so that's kind of an example of how we will make one lore decision, a big lore decision, you know, absolutely, and then let that ripple out into a whole other plethora. How do they get these things? Maybe certain creatures have an affinity for them. Now we have a whole bunch of new creatures. Mm. Um, and all of that can come from, in this case, did come from just what is the power source of a ship? Yeah. Um, and, Which and is that so much spawned, fun to spiral. <laughs> that, that spawned actually a big chunk of our campaign. Our actual play campaign was literally that question of what powers the airships. And it was like, oh, okay. So what if you have a really big jet? Mm. Oh, shit. What if people like were able to move? Not like, oh, if you can move like a lump of wood and some metal that you've put together. What, what could you move with a really big, really big gem? And mm. so that actually led to the, <laughs> the, the main plot of our, our actual play at the moment, which is which is pretty, uh, which is pretty fun. Um, and, but yeah, that's a that, that's definitely a good example of, a, of, of how we go. But we definitely look at all the angles. And I think as well, the beautiful bit about what Tony and I have is that we're both super creative and look at things from very different angles, like 90% of the time. We, we, though we see like eye to eye, we look at things from different angles. And I think because 
you're this mad wizard who can come up with, you know, crazy, crazy things. And I'm this like low, low magic fucking dude who's like, yo, I want to make something that punches people in back alleys. You know, <laughs> we, we balance each other out and we get to this nice like middle level of where you get like kind of uh, what I would call unique unique creations that are balanced and and leveled and and like good for 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 what they're meant to be used for i think is 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 how i'd put it i agree i, I think what i what i noticed um go ahead tony and then i'll, I'll give an overview of kind of from I, a third party perspective i was just gonna add just to build on what buddy said um i think we are very good at keeping each other in check um uh, you know i tend to be a little bit more on the cool this is an idea but how do we translate it into mechanics mm. i'm a little bit more mechanics focused and bodhi mm. uh multiple times where i'll be like well what if we did this like well we'll give it this cool ability like that's awesome makes no sense yeah. i love the ability <laughs> makes no sense in this context like how yeah. would that even work and i'm like no you're 100 right i'm gonna save <laughs> that to my library of abilities <laughs> and we'll come back to it later when we find an appropriate time and then there'll be other times where you know bodhi will be like what if we had to do this and i'm like yeah, that's cool, but translating that into an ability makes it like CR twenty stupid broken. Yeah, and I don't that think happens, we want it to be CR today. just today. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of that's a great idea, but maybe we save it for something more level appropriate or more lore appropriate, um, which has you know that almost like a an innate checks and balances to ensure that nothing gets too out of hand um, yeah. is something I think that that I mean, has been a blessing. <laughs> and I, I think just to, to build on that, and I, I think the other thing, Hokage, if there's anything else that you're specifically like, you may be also referring to how our team dynamic works at Homing the Dude, how any other uh, aspect of our process, feel free to, to pop something in there about a more specific um, area, question, that, you area that you want, and we'll, 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 we'll unfold that as well. Um, but I think for, for the purposes of the live stream, we also have a collection of questions that we want to go through. But before we get to those, can I just can I just add my my comment that I was um, it's a reflection on how you, you two operate. I really love how you guys um, you you support complete blue sky thinking. And anytime there is anything that that is possibly a disagreement or a, you know a challenge or anything, it's done in a way that continues to support really being creative. So sometimes you're going to be in an environment where one person will be like, nah, that's not going to work. And if you say that enough, it inhibits the other person from allowing themselves to be really, really creative and have some fun space. And you guys are really, really good at allowing yourselves to just flourish in ideas. And even if some ideas don't land or they can't work or whatever, they're handled in a way that it's like, it's, it's gently, you know, kind of, put aside and let's continue to move on and continue to, to, to create and to explore things. So I think that's an awesome thing that you guys has, have as creative writing partners. This is interesting. So, uh, Nero Tree says, if we're, if we're getting a demo of your creative process, how would you design a balloon slime enemy? Um, okay, here we go. It's on. <laughs> okay, a balloon... What, what's he called? Is, is, it an MPP, is it an NPC or, or a creature? Is it sentient or not? Because uh, I was A slime, good. I would say, I would immediately go non-sentient. It cool. is just a thing that happens. Cool. Okay. In that case, it's going to be called Blob, of course. Um, a sky and, blob. Yeah. Uh, it, an aero blob. 
an arrow blob. I kind of, I kind of like an arrow blob. Personally. Okay. Okay. Arrow blob. Um, and then I would kind of go, cool. How, how does it, what's it, what, how, how's it get in the sky? Well, it's probably filled with air. So how's it getting filled with air? Probably has like maybe a little balloon like entrance point. I don't know. Something like that. What are you thinking? Because we were talking about cloud bees earlier. Mm. What if these are a specific type of slime that actually like there, there's two variants of them, right? There's the ground slime, the geo slime and the aero slime. Right, because you nice. gotta give them fancy names. Yeah, yeah. And when a geo slime manages its way onto a cloud beehive, mm-hmm. it will like inherent, like just like a genetic adaptation, immediate reaction because these things are not sentient things, will suck a whole bunch of the air, the the right. the generated cloud, and then it just floats. And so it's this big slime with a cloud inside of it, which is how it flies. Perfect. Perfect. And um. I'm not so that that's how it gets there. I have no idea what it does when it's up there. That's I that's just, I, it, I followed my stream and I'm out. <laughs> it, it feels to me like it feels to me like cool if they're up in the sky. Like what? Why are they so? You know they're they're filling with these things. If that's an accidental thing that happens, you know, and there's very rare of them, you know, I can imagine those being you know very maybe uh, the slime is something that's very tactile and you could make it a resource. Then this creature a resource. So. You know, these creatures are very rare because this occurrence of a slime falling upon a cloud beehive is maybe not so frequent. So you can make it a rare material that uh, if you wanted to then use, for example, uh, you know, for example, climbing gloves, you know, spider climb things, you could use that. You could also put it into, you know, some sort of like retrieval whip. You know, again, there's those crafting ideas that you could use that aren't just like spell components and things that you could use from a... Uh, a slime enemy. Can I? Can I also? Can I be an interloper in your process? Um, Please do. So if it if it's just float, it's now has the capacity to float. It doesn't have any kind of real d- direction because it's mm. non sentient. But I'm almost picturing like like a Venus flytrappy type thing. So if something accidentally bumps into it, it's a junker. It's just a, trapped to yeah. it. It just it just there's consequences. If you bump in, it, like if a bird flies into it or Love like it. a shit, you know that type of so thing. So actually maybe you can't even see the slime at this point cuz it's just covered in fucking shit. It's just <laughs> covered in like bits and bulbs from the sky. Well, tr- looking to traditional like gelatinous cube ooze slime lore they basically digest anything that touches it so you would actually have like a bird skeletons just Mm. like stuck but on top of that Bodhi, what you were saying is super interesting because we have discussed a naturally forming arrow ooze Mm. but we could also say that due to the reflect like just the gelatinous nature that they are far more durable than man-made balloons so you could easily see a um, you know a merchant's guild raising oozes and then forcibly turning geo oozes to arrow oozes and then using them as like transport blimps, oh, right? Where that. you could then apply like a harness to it and then have like almost like messenger birds, but they they like, literally just fly this balloon with a package on it, like Amazon drones. You literally <laughs> kind of, yeah, basically you attach, you attach a small flying creature to one of these aero, <laughs> these aero yeah. slimes. You attach your aero package slimes, to yeah. it, and merchant delivery service. <laughs> see, guys, do you so, see? Do you see? How so this that's this is literally. Do you how it see goes. how this works? You asked for a flying slime. We gave you Amazon drones. You're welcome. 
That's how these things happen. You just watched it live. You just watched the magic unfold. And that's pretty much how it goes. That is how it goes. One of us will suggest an idea, and then we'll just riff off each other. I never would have gotten to the point of Amazon drones if Bodhi hadn't mentioned people using these things as a resource. Um, and so it's you just witnessed you just witnessed the birth of the arrow, the arrow slime. And the, th- the thing is, as well, like th- that is a very very representative moment of the process. And yep. if we collected all of those moments, you'd have th- Lots thousands, of, uh, thousands. And I was about to say that that moment right there not only gives you a creature, it gives you a process that people are doing to make it. It's giving you like something to rear and grow. It gives you a whole merchant's guild that now specifically <laughs> use this delivery method. You have Within slime that, herders. There's slime so, herders. There's so much potential with that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Let's move on right. to another so question. So ho- hopefully that, that gave you a, a <laughs> bit fun. of a peek underneath the kimono there uh, near a tree. Um, Hokage this is being says, recorded, right? So we don't lose <laughs> any of that? Yes. I just I want to make sure that we can go back and now I got to stat out an arrow slime. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, continue. So. <laughs> um, there's another one um, from Hokage, and this is uh, possibly a little bit more specific. So interesting problem I ran into when players have a flying ship. How do you prevent them from avoiding any single problem that isn't co- coming directly at them? So moreover, how do you use non-flying creatures in combat scenarios uh, with players when they could just fly away from them if they encounter them randomly during travel. Anyone? I'll, t- I'll jump in. Yeah. So a couple things. Yeah, One, I'll, I'll chime in after. To, to, like a couple things. I think uh, I, I want to try and understand this question a little bit better. So um, you're saying, you know, how are they dealing, you know, how do you stop them from dealing with whatever it's front in front of them? That sounds to me like how do you get your players to run away instead of entering combat, which I'm happy to answer that. The second half of this then seems like you're asking how do you use non-flying stuff to threaten an airship in the sky is kind of what it sounds like. So the first question is... Like an aeroslime? Well, maybe. <laughs> um, like the, the first thing I would do if you want your players to not get involved in the combat and here's here's the thing like most dms will know you are going to likely put yourself in a position where your players enter a combat that you're pretty sure they're not going to win based on it might be an npc's level or based on you know the moment in the you know whatever it might be and they will quickly learn that they need to bail out of that moment because of you know what's going on around them so the chances of it happening is more likely they'll enter something and if their adversary is just a problem, that's when chase usually begins. And typically in combat, that's how it goes anyway. You know, if you're in any sort of like battle anywhere, if you're a chase only begins when one adversary is like, screw this, I'm out of here. And the other one's like, nah, I'm coming after you. So, you know, that's that's one thing I would say. So make your adversary worthy of the, the ship that your players are flying. You know, think about creating a dragon or something, you know, or, or maybe, you know, one of the creatures that we have in our, in our thing, using one of them to, you know, um, counter some of the stuff that your players have on their ship so that, you know, it does become a closer battle and forces your players to be super strategic and also think about, you know, uh, do we want to actually just get the fuck out of here? And another way to do that is simply you can have things flying past. Like if you're a tiny little like four man airship kind of situation, and there's a giant imperial dreadnought with hundreds of guns on it and by like weapons on it and stuff. Like 
you're going to turn around and go. It doesn't matter. Like you're not going to engage that. So that's how I'd, I, I, I'd say that. Um, and, uh, he meant, I meant the opposite. I'd like to encourage them to engage things there that are threats, but sometimes I'm short on flying speeds. So how do I ensure to get them fight anything that doesn't have a traveling? Oh, okay. It doesn't fly at them uh, while they're traveling. Okay, there we go. That makes a little bit more sense. Tony, do you want to jump in? Sure. Um, I think it. a lot of it just comes down to you know, giving them a reason, right? You know, yeah. when you had mentioned, like, engaging something on the ground, I immediately came to awesome giant fortress. I don't know why that popped in my head, but you have giants who can throw rocks. That's their thing, and they hurt like a dump truck. Um, but it's, it's all about motivation, right? Why do the players want to? So, you know, in this random example, uh, the giants, you know, um, you know, if you're thinking of something like giants are big in your campaign, not assuming they are, but they're happen to be in my head at the moment. Um, you could have this group of giants had recently gone and completely raided one of the players, you know, village or something. And so now they are they are intrinsically motivated to get get that taken care of so it doesn't happen again. Yeah. And so a lot of it, and that's just a matter of talking with your players, right? Like, mm. hey, let's work this into your back uh, backstory. Um, another thing, you know, depending, it really comes down to how you've pitched your game. Uh, for instance, with the um, the land Grom game that I run for uh, Tom and Bodie here, I made it very clear with them that this is a this is a brutal world and i would have a backup character i don't want <laughs> you to die but this is the kind of world where if you go to the wrong person and make a joke uh you're dealing with some incredibly nasty stuff mm. so they are incredibly timid and rightfully so tom's characters almost died three times um <laughs> not to call you out tom you haven't died yet though i'm proud of you no, you've been very nice. very lucky and creative I but um so I it comes down it. Oh, yes, you do. <laughs> you, you have rightfully so come very close, but it's all within character and I love it. Um, but, you know, it just comes down to the kind of game you've run, you're running and how you've described it to the players and giving them motivation. Nothing, the players will do anything if it is within their motivation, even if it is suicidal. 100%. Um, I, I, so, I completely just a few thoughts there. Well, 100%. And like, a good example, we're going to talk about something a little bit later and in the next, um, hopefully by, by the beginning of January, first couple of weeks of January, we will be releasing um, a PDF about um, some creatures that we have in the book um, and it will be some pages from within the book. So hopefully you guys will get a chance to uh, check that out. But it's all about cloud bees, this creature that we've created, uh, the, the, this, the type of creatures that we've created for our world. And I think, you know, for example, it's, Giving some motivation. So with cloud bees, a reason why you fuck with cloud bees and you wouldn't if you were a normal, like logical person is because <laughs> their hives are made out of a really rare material that needs to be sourced by people who want to like scientists, uh, alchemists, artificers, you know, things like that. Where, Smiths. Yeah, exactly. We also have, for example, you know, um, creatures that have, you know, gems on them. So if you were flying next to an amethyst stingray, you might be like, Oh, should we engage that? Because those actually help us power our ship and we should, you know, we should maybe hop on that. Might even be simply as, you know, uh, you're f one of the players is like, you know what, I want to, I want to tame that creature. I want to try and, I want to try and turn this into a mount. 
you know, I'm going to turn this sky jellyfish into a mount. And so, you know, the, there's, there's so many different motivations and it could be, again, you know, a, a, if it's ship to ship stuff, it could be, you know, oh, this person has someone, you know, one of the players or this person has, you know, NPC that means a lot to the group. So you're chasing them across the sky or, you know, things like that, you know, and I think Tony's totally right. The motivation is really, really important with setting up sky encounters. Now, I would say random sky encounters, in my opinion, and this is this is like the way I would describe this. And, and it, it, only simply because I've just been and seen Avatar 2, I'm going to go down this road ever so slightly. <laughs> but um, think about it like this. You know, if you're in the sky, there's other creatures aren't going to mess with you unless you're like being hostile to them. So you know, you can have certain creatures flying around being curious about the ship and you can have really nice random encounters that don't involve combat that can be really interesting with the, the floor and fauna of the sky, you know, kind of situation. On the other side of that, you have predators out there that are giant things like, um, like our, uh, like our um, night deceivers. You know, if you come across one of those, that's a time where you have to decide what your plan is and it's either go or try and deal with this problem because it's coming for you no matter what. And so when you deal with a predator, then yeah, you know, it, it might be a case to run. But if your team feel like they've got the power, then maybe they'll stand to it. Otherwise, it's going to be, you know, the other way around. Yeah. To, add a, to add a very, very quick, just top of the mind, just another kind of scenario, right? Say your players, uh, they need to get somewhere before someone else. And you've gotten intel, so you know they're going to go up and around this island. And you're like, well, that's dumb. We're going to make up time. We're going to go straight through the island. Well, what if your players didn't look into this island and realize it's owned by a... a it's in the territory of an adult red dragon. Mm. That red dragon, you've just pissed it off and there's nothing you can do at this point. That thing will take you down... Unless it's a very kind red dragon. I've never met one, but I guess they're out there. But the point is, you have now entered the territory of an incredibly prideful, hostile, intelligent creature. That's going to be a fight whether they want it or not. And it mm. makes perfect sense within the world because they tried to take a shortcut that their adversary didn't. Now, yeah. if they manage to take out the dragon, escape it somehow, though good luck, they're smart and incredibly powerful, uh, they will achieve their goal. They will get there before the other target. So now it's it is you know it, it's it's a tense moment where the players have to decide. We need to get there or something bad happens. But we now have an adult or ancient or whatever red dragon on your butt. It's the what trench do you do? run. It's the trench run from Star Wars. Yep, that's what it yeah. is. Okay, let's 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 um, put some context to the stream right now. So there's a couple things we do want to share with you. And we're going to reveal some stuff real quick, but let's just go through, for those of you that are waiting to hear kind of what this whole, um, this 3.0 AMA is going to be, let's look at a bit of an agenda. So we're going to share, can you go through the elements that we're going to share? And, and uh, we may even share something pretty quick just to get that up. Uh, so we'll be sharing uh, the front cover again. We will be sharing um, a couple of pages that are um, that are within the book that we will then be sending out as a PDF on our Discord server. So if you haven't joined our Discord server yet, there's a link in the description. Um, and we'll also be sending that out in our next newsletter, which should be coming out very, very soon as well. Um, so that link will contain uh, the first PDF of this entire Airship Combat Kickstarter process. 
So, uh, you know, those of you who have been along the journey for this, that is the way to get your hands on the very first bit of this content from inside the book. Get some example pages um, there. We will then be showing um, an image of uh, a cloud bee that we have that is, we're gonna talk a little bit about that upcoming next couple of example pages that we're super excited about and what that is and we're gonna discuss a little bit about that, show you guys some cool art that, you'll, that will be up and coming. Um, then we also will be showing something that we're super excited about. So with this Kickstarter, we will be, um, as part of some of the tiers, you will receive STLs of the NPC crews that we have created for some of the example airships in this book. So um, STL files are um, miniature files that you will then be able to download yourself and print on a 3D printer if you have access to uh, do so. Um, and uh, we have some images of you know uh, one of our uh, models at the moment that's just been painted uh, digitally and looks really, really awesome to give you guys an example of what those kind of are gonna look like. Um, and I think that's about it. That's that's the, those are the things we're going to be sharing. We also have collected a chunk of questions, a chunk of questions from the Discord. So we'll go, be going through that. So here's what I'm going to say, um, so that we cover all of this stuff in an appropriate amount of time. Um, let's let's maybe go through to a question first, and then possibly ask or, or share uh, our first piece of content. Yeah, in a go second. for it. Yeah, go for it. So uh, here's a question from. What can I do to help, basically? That's basically what it is. So the truth seeker said, which bit do you think are talking about? Yeah, so the, the truth seeker comes in and basically is a new, new person in the Discord. Welcome to La Familia, truth seeker, um, if you see this. Um, basically just saying, I'm here, happy to answer questions and help out and assist in any way you can with the process that we're doing for the Shareship Combat Kickstarter. Awesome. Talks about having played earlier versions of Spelljammer and things like that. Um, and basically asks, what can he do to help this community? And I think that's a killer question. And it's one that, you know, it, it, we really appreciate that. Like that kind of mentality is awesome and we super, super appreciate that. So True Seeker, thank you for that. Um, do you want to talk about that dude? Do you want to talk about that a little bit? So as far as the community, we, we are super proud about the community that is growing in, in the Discord and on our newsletter. So currently the Discord is, you know, reaching 600, people that we like to describe as being super supportive, super creative, fun. There's some, you know, some nice memes that are being popped off <laughs> most days, but it's a, it's a really kind of positive community that has a lot of creativity and ideas in it as well. So this is the type of thing like today is the type of thing that we would love you to support either by asking whatever you're curious about within this system that we're creating. This is the type of forum to ask uh, those questions or in the discord to populate those questions and then we'll circle back to them like we're doing right now on the list um, Beyond that I was gonna say I, I would say beyond that it definitely um, Sign up to our newsletter. Um, it just helps us continue to grow the newsletter is Literally we're about to precipice a thousand people who have subscribed to our newsletter You get free content every uh, every couple of weeks in that newsletter you get updates on the airship combat stuff you also get behind the scenes of what we're doing at Homie and the Dude and how the team's operating. Best way to keep up to date with our content, basically. And I can tell you that this next newsletter coming out will have uh, the second floor to the prison that I have been releasing in our newsletter. So I released the first floor and you guys absolutely loved it. So I'm releasing the second floor 
of the prison as requested by you guys, which will be the guards' rec room and uh, and dining area, as well as also the magical barrier room, which we're super excited about. So those are the best ways that you can really support us, and all of that will then lead down the line to hopefully you guys are supporting the Kickstarter and then play testing it and us just continuing to grow this kind of family and and and, and nice kind of uh, vibe that we have going here. Yep. Um, Okay, so let's go to a question from the Discord. So um, this is from, apologies for massacring your name here, but it's Ranks Aeroth. Ranks Aeroth. Hopefully that's close. And Ranks Aeroth asks, um, curious to know the format for the ship combat system. One thing about the TTRPG and air combat was the pesky third dimensional thinking process. Tracking the altitude of even two ships is tricky at best. Seeing position on a board is easy. At altitude, not so much. One process has stands and the collar on the upright could be set in marks of 50 or 100 feet, depending. Can't wait to see the system you all have come up with for tracking the altitude. FYI, still in Japan. Um, we were a great extent. Da, da, da. Okay, so first of all, thank you for the question. I think it's an important question. It's one that we have spent lots and lots of time on and over to you guys, to, to whichever one of you wants to tackle that. Tony, you go first and then I'm going to follow up because it relates to our, uh, our first PDF that we're releasing. So uh, cool, cool, cool. go for it. So I don't remember if we've actually talked about our air, how we um, approach altitude, um, but we could share in broad terms. Um, what we've done, because we agree, the less uh, by foot tracking you have to do when handling these things, the better, is we have actually divided the sky itself into layers, if that makes sense. So you'll have, like, at the bottom is the surface of the Earth, or if you're in a sky, like the docking layer. You don't want to go lower than that, because mm. it's not great. Uh, but then each different layer... Uh, there are mechanics to move up and down, and there are rules in how these layers interact. Um, this one makes so you could just keep, if you wanted, like a D6 next to a ship, and you could just spin uh, to what layer it's on. And that's very easy to do compared to, well, you're trying to fire, but you're 257 feet away, so that, let's pull up Pythagorean's theorem. Uh, <laughs> none of that here. Just none of that. Nobody wants to do that kind of math. Um, so instead, especially for kind of, you know, air combat, that's how we have it. Um, there are rules for, you know, moving up and down. Um, another thing is the way because of kind of the, the overall um, height of each of these, they also have different properties. So it adds this tech, this kind of tactical angle of not only is it easy to run, but now moving up or down may have an additional tactical advantage other than just moving away, depending on what the air zone has. Um, you know, if you go specifically, you may want to go specifically into a, so a storm to escape or to take coverage, or maybe your ship works better in a storm because of some specific parts or a class or um, a background you have or a feat you have um, or specifically what your ship does. 
so it it allows that you know like we've said before dog fighting in the sky that split second hail mary let's go up into the storm and roll the dice and you know if that's how desperate a situation is yeah. um, so that's to answer your question y- you don't need to make sure you know that one ship is 257 feet higher than another ship uh, all of that is broken up into these air zones yeah. these layers of sky can I just add a, just a con- contextual thing, and then you, you can Careful. go for it. Um, so Tony's talking about specifically Sky. We yes. are presenting this as a, an adaptable system so that those air zones could be space zones. They could actually be, if you're working on in you know Ghost of, Ghost of Salt Marsh, it could be layers of the seabed that go all the way down to the bottom to the surface. So keep that in mind. This is adaptable to whatever vehicle combat you are preferring your setting to be in. Over to you, guys. And just uh, to build on that real fast, just to add one additional thing. Um, though we will have a fixed amount of layers, there will be text and rules and advice on if you want to add more. If you just want to have a world that is just sky and it's got like 10 layers mm. and that's it, you ha- go ahead. Absolutely. Mm. We have that accounted for. Um, yeah. in the system. So it's also scalable. If you want to cut some out, not a big deal. That's all That's all there. Go ahead, buddy. So, a couple things. Uh, Hokage saying 5e uses uh, the largest dimension to avoid Pythagoras' theorem because every range is in squares unless specifically a radius or circle effect. Uh, so basically, if 30 feet away on one axis and 10 feet on another, ac- uh, in, in a, on another axis in a different direction, then, they're, then they use the 30 feet away, according to Hokage, which is awesome. That's great. So just th- thank you for sharing that. I didn't, I didn't know that five uses that. But um, what, we, what we've done is, so we've, I'll, I'll mention something that Tony didn't mention that I want to talk about these example pages. So um, Tony's totally right. We split this all into different air zones. You can create your own. You can change hours. You can make it fit space, war, blah, 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 blah. It gives you the three dimensions. Then when you're tracking the ships, all you need to know is what zone you're in. You could do that by one, two, three, four, five, based on how many you know zones you have. You could do that based on the name of the zone. So if you know the Zephyr Meridian, docking, um, wind shear, you know, dependent on what zone you want to, uh, you know. And then all you've got to do is track the the zone and then the ranges that the ships are from one another, like normal D and D combat. The way what we have done, because it is important, and this is the bit that becomes actually a, a little bit harder to do. Um, with 5e's longest rule is, is accounting for the fact that yes, even though we are taking just that flat horizontal range, which we are also just taking the flat horizontal range for when you're doing distance, but what we've added is basically a weapon modifier that anytime you're attacking with a uh, you know a spell or a, a weapon or a um, confrontation station on a, on a zephyr. Um, you basically, uh, depend on how many zones you are away from the person, get a, uh, a bonus or a, or a um, minus to your attack or based on how close you are to them. So, you know, if you're a couple zones away, you're going to be getting, you know, uh, you're going to have a worse chance of hitting them because just like shooting an arrow across 30 feet and down fucking 200, you know, it's going to lose some of the, uh, some of the gusto and things like that. Um, you know, so it's, it's about making sure that you know those penalties exist and, and exist. So that, that that's a big part of it. What I do want to talk about 
is um, in this first PDF release that we're going to be doing, there is going to be, we'll be releasing an expanded version of it very, very soon when we get the last couple pages of this next little bit. But um, what you will be receiving in this pack, and it's probably a great time for us to, should I flip over to it quickly? Yeah. Cool. Let's, uh, let's see if this works. <laughs> see if, uh, let's see if this is going to work today. Nope. Cool. Let's go like that. Is it gonna? No. Okay. This is glitch. Never mind. Um, amazing. Cool. 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 So, um, what I'm gonna quickly do here is pull up this. Hopefully, um, is this gonna work? There we go. Beautiful. So, what I'm gonna show you guys is these example pages. We will be sending this PDF out for you guys um, very, very soon. Um, it will be in our Discord server. So. What we're going to be giving you is a chapter page, um, which is what you can see here. This is an example chapter page that will be in the book. This is our creatures and mounts chapter page. Um, you have on the left side of the page, you have quotes from Galmar and Sattva, the two characters that wrote this book for you guys, um, of them having a discussion about creatures and mounts. Um, on the right, you have a basic like intro paragraph that tells you a little bit about what to expect um, in this chapter and things like that. Obviously, you have the beautiful title um, in the middle there, and then at the top you have a gorgeous piece of art of one of our night deceivers um, inhaling uh, an airship uh, as it does. Um, but yeah, so if you, uh, it, that's going to be one of the things that you receive. That chapter page is one that we're super, super proud of, and uh, all the chapter pages will look like this, um, but this one is specifically just for creatures and mounts. So it's just to give you an idea of what that's going to look like. Then as I scroll down, you guys are going to be super excited to see our air zone work is right there. Our air zone rules and one are right there for you guys. So what you're going to get access to is actually the first couple pages of the book itself. The air zones are the first things that in the first chapter of the book that you guys are going to get. So we have broken down our air zones here. Um, we've got a little table here at the bottom for some stuff. And not to mention as well, we have also given you guys how you can build your own air zones. We've given you a good chunk of all of that already. Um, we have a couple more pages uh, that connect to this section to do with wind direction rules that we've kind of put in um, that will be coming your way very, very soon as well. But we're going to be releasing this so you guys can see what we were just talking about is right there for you guys. We will be showing you what those air zones are all about. Um, and we will also give you an opportunity to create your very own air zones if you want to as well um, with this very first PDF. But you can see our gorgeous layout as well. Um, we've tried to go with these like blue accents, this font that you know is a, is quite interesting. I'll zoom it in a little bit as well. Let's uh, let's do a little zoom in for you guys nice. as well. Um, that way you you guys can. Uh, ooh, let me not do that. There we go. Um, there you go. So you guys can see a little bit more of this. So you can see we've got this nice blue accents up here in the corner and things like that. The kind font like we've a, used is really like flowy and like an ethereal. Airy. Yeah, exactly. Like an air. Yeah. You can see our gorgeous table here that we absolutely love. Loving that table and it's looking absolutely spinning, absolutely pucker, absolutely lovely. So yeah, this is what you guys will be receiving. Is pucker? pucker is like, oh, it's real good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and. Um, it's an English term. English term. Americanzi. Uh, <laughs> by the way, that that night deceiver, that's a front view of the night deceiver. You yes. can actually get a side view. Actually, there's two side views of the night deceiver on the website, on the Sky Zephyr's landing page on the website, which there are links to that in the description. So if you want to see the side view of that night deceiver and get 
an idea of the, the size, the mass of it, but also its body shape. It's a pretty cool creature. Yeah, so we will be releasing these three pages. Like I said, they're actually not connected. The Creatures and Mounts chapter page does not belong with the Arizona section, but we wanted to give you an example of the Creatures and Mounts chapter page, as well as also giving you guys um, a, a bit of body and a bit of text and something to sink your teeth into a little bit. Um, so we're super, super chuffed to show you guys that. I am going to quickly hide that from the page and then flip back to us. Hello, we are back with us. Uh, we missed you. Uh, yes, exactly, Reven. Foggy in, exactly. A foggy light, ominous light glowing and piercing through. Yep, nope, getting sucked up and dead instantly. That's, it's bad times out there if you encounter a Well, not season. dead, just eaten. Just eaten. This is true. This is true. This is very important. Being true. eaten is not the end. <laughs> In some it's, cases. It's not the end. Um, so we're super excited and we will be doing it. So if you aren't in our Discord server, make sure you click the link in the description. Go to the Discord, uh, click the TTRPG role, and then in the next day we will be sending out that PDF to our entire Discord server for you guys to check out Noodle Over and give us some feedback on, which we're super, super hyped about, guys. We're super, super, super excited. Um, go for it, Tom. No, 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 continue. I think uh, maybe what we will do, let's go to another question while we've got questions here. And then if you have any questions that are coming through in the chat, we'll, we'll, we'll hit pause and we'll jump back into the chat. Yeah. But I want to cover these from the Discord that we've been collecting for about a month and a half as well. Super. We've done that well. Cool. So this one is from Platinum Bullet about a month ago, maybe about three or four weeks ago. Um, and Platinum Bullet, first of all, thank you for popping the question in, and here it is. So one of the things I was wondering about was how you manage speed and turning. With average characters, it's not too much of a worry. They're running around a field and can turn left if they need to. Um, for a giant ship, though, turning is going to take time and effort, or in other words, a significant amount of its movement for the turn. Can I uh, hop in? Yeah. I'll dive in here. Okay. Because I... The, the movement system is 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 something that we've we've spent a lot of time on and, and are pretty happy about but we're we're getting in the final stages of it now which is really really nice um, but to give you guys uh, an, an idea of what's going on um, movement is broken up into points each ship um, has points basically and those points can be spent to move your ship each turn each round the points reset um, and we've mentioned before, that all airships move at the end of each combat round before the start of the next round. They move simultaneously, basically. So you can take actions to do things, but they will all move uh, simultaneously um, when uh, at the end of the round. So um, you have points that you can spend on moving the ship, um, you know, through uh, through the through the space, um, and that involves altitude maneuvers, so going up and down, and that also involves turning maneuvers as well. And you're 100% right. Bigger ship costs more costs more point to turn. That makes, that uh, that logic is what we came to as well. <laughs> um, so you're 100% you're right, and I think that's exactly what we came to. You know, a larger ship is going to take more points to turn, um, and that's just how it is. But what we've kind of worked out is that there's a, uh, um, like a, a fraction, a proportion of your movement that is a is a good cost for all ships, but it means that for bigger ships, it's going to cost them a, a, a decent chunk of what they've got. So that's kind of what we're working on at the moment. And we're really excited actually for you to test the movement thing because 
We believe that movement is the thing that really makes this very interesting. It becomes a chess game of, you know, strategically moving your ship around your enemies and around things like that. So that's something we're really, really interested to seeing what you guys come out with when we do start playtesting that and what you guys think, because it's something that we're committed to making really, really awesome. But, you know, it's been something that has taken a lot of work and we've had to think about a lot to make sure that, you know, we are able to uh, achieve that, that idea that, that, that we've had. Um, Tony, anything else you want to add? I'm going to just want to. Um, I think that just one thing I want to kind of emphasize in our how we've thought through kind of this approach is the movement only being actually moving at the end of a turn, right? Mm. So the thought process behind that is there are still going to be battle maps. People are still going to want to move and do things. Um, so when we were kind of play testing and, and working things out, it felt real bad when movement happened in the middle. One, there's a yeah. huge advantage that one ship can have over the other because they can move in the middle of combat, depending on how uh, you know uh, action order and initiative works out. Um, there's nothing worse than someone going, "All right, cool. I'm going to run to the front. I'm going to fireball them, and then I'm going to bonus action, you know, uh, healing word this guy over here." All right, cool. Oh, they moved away. Mm, exactly. That's cool. and, and we saw that, didn't we? All right. I've got, yeah, we did. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was just, it wasn't fun. Yeah. So now, you know, adding to that swashbuckling nature, each turn, the map doesn't move. It did like for the entirety of the turn, but in between turns, it moves. So when initiative, you know, initiative rolls back to the top, you have a battle map that you guys can discuss. You can, you know, work out. Same with the enemies. Don't want to, you can't forget your enemies. Um, and so it builds a much more dynamic setup where nobody feels, or people won't feel as cheated because, oh, they just fled. It's the beginning of the turn. Cool. I get an action before anything changes, unless a spell or something like that. The way I, the way I so, kind of picture it is like you basically. Um, you decide what you want to do, then the DM decides what they want to do, and there is no order. You both lay your cards down at the same time. So then those those two those two decisions now have to have to kind of relate to each other and whatever that is. And if you you know if you've decided one way and the, and you know it, it could result in the two ships colliding, it could result into someone having a decided advantage. You know you picture. Um, you know, one ship stopping and another one going forward. You know, there's there's all kinds of strategy in there that really opens it up, and we really love that. That's a big, big part of uh, what what I think differentiates us in in our in our sky combat. Sky chess, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. is one thing. Uh, one of our playtest scenarios um, that we've gotten to run a few times um, with Drizmond. You guys know that. The rest of you don't. <laughs> Maybe one day we'll see stretch goal, um, <laughs> but with uh, with Drizmin, um, mm, yes, Driz. I hope you guys all get to meet Drizmin. I hope we get there because I my favorite villain I've ever made. Um, but aside from that, um, there was there is a lot of trying to predict their movement. And yes, as a DM, you get to hear their conversation. They don't necessarily get to hear yours. Uh, but as a DM, this also gives you the power to make it as dramatic as possible. Or if you guys want to go completely, you know, uh, you know, 
just crazy. You could make a rule that you have a two by like a, a little card, a little piece of paper. You write down what you're gonna do, and you put it face down. You flip them at the same time. Two ships mm-hmm. are probably gonna crash. Everyone's gonna die. It's gonna be terrible. But hey, if you guys want to play it that that sharp, you could do that. That's built in the system. What, what, yeah, and I think, remember, it's not just horizontal movement. Like, you, this is where the zones come in as well. So as part of your movement, you could be like, okay, we're going to go forward 50 and down a zone. Um, or we're going to go 45 this way and up a zone. You know, that type of thing. And so all of that becomes a three-dimensional chess game, which, which we love. We absolutely love. Nothing is more fun as a DM than the players going, all right, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And then the ship just dips. Exactly. In our case, into into a a actual roiling cloud, which is the lowest zone. Oh, which is the first thing I did to them. He popped up, did his thing, and they're like, "All right, here's what we're gonna do." And he just dipped right back down. And they're like, <laughs> "I guess we're going in." And so they did. It was awesome, but it was just yeah. the funniest thing. Just watching them like, we anticipated seven moves. We should have gone to eight. Yeah, the eighth it's, one was dipping into the cloud. It's it's one of those things that and and. Hokage mentions this in the chat. Says, "Ah, oh, this explains the game of wits when you uh, you have to bet where your opponent is going exactly." And yep. when uh, he asks, uh, or they asked, um, "When do ship-mounted weapons fire during player turns?" Yes, during player turns. So what it will be is, you know, ships move and end up there. Then all the players take their turns, and then ships move, and it means that then you have the locked in. It means that during the turn you're not having sliding ranges that are you know, shifting and whatnot. It just means per turn you have, you know, uh, a one range, which we believed, you know, in six seconds, you know, re- realistically, you know, we felt was 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 reasonable because then at the end of those six seconds, there can be a decent shift, you know, and, and that kind of makes sense for, for movement-based vehicles. So, yeah, yep. I think I think that answers that question. I think, I think our tagline... It's so much fun. Yeah, swashbuckling so combat came from that specific little creation that you guys made that's what made it into swashbuckling combat because otherwise it was it was a bit pre- predictive it was frustrating at times because you felt like I, i'm doing something i think it's gonna be really creative and then someone just had like you know it almost like be what would it be like someone reading your mind always and de- them just always being one step ahead of you and it was it was taking a lot of the fun and creativity out of it so yeah this is this is this swashbuckling combat secret sauce okay Good questions. Um, hopefully you get a picture of that. Let's look at another one from the Discord. Um, so just a, a follow-up from Platinum Bullet. Is there a document or website or something where we can see what questions have already been asked? It's a good question, Platinum Bullet. We've been tr- So this is the Discord has been going now for many, many months, and there's been all sorts of side conversations unpacking different aspects of, of the combat system, of different bits and pieces here and there and it's it's spread out through the historical threads of the discord so it's a it's a hard one we started making threads and then there was another thing that you just did a couple weeks ago what was that called forums or something or yeah we made forums about it we've made forums um but i i would say if you if the best place to find is there there is currently one channel called the ama questions channel and there you can see what people have asked us Typically, Tom and I will thank people for questions in there and not give you a clear or a full response because we want to answer these questions in the AMAs, um, which is why uh, a lot of that chat um, often doesn't get full answers and things like that. Um, But it's something because we want to answer them in here. So that's a good place to do that. 
as well as that, um, uh, if you're interested outside of that, it, you know, in terms of documents, we will be releasing a PDF and website. We also have a website if you want to find out more about this. There's actually a nice chunk uh, about this and information about this on our website. If you click the D&D newsletter link, actually, in the description, it will take you to that page and will give you a lot of info about it. But it also gives you a chance to sign up to the newsletter if you want to as well. Those links are by, I just dropped those links in all the chats across the platform. So on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, you should see a link for the landing page for the Sky Zephyr on the website, and then also a link to the Discord if you don't have either of those or much of that. Okay, um, let's move on. So Baz GC says, in 3rd and 3.5, they both also had maneuverability. That was conveniently kept to 90 degree turns rather than the varying movement arcs and angles you normally see in tactical games, which use a length and then an angle. Those tactical systems aren't as reliant on a grid, though, so they can have that flexibility a bit easier. Um, and then he, he just quickly, or they just quickly, um, correct themselves and say, clearly I meant 90 slash 45 for the most part. Um, and that was that was their, their reflection. And it just so happens we also sit within the 90-45 rule. Um, we have a couple of turning options, 90 degrees is one, 45 is another. The reason we have limited it to that is because we, in playtesting, realized that if a ship is able to 180 and then, like, in, in a single turn, like, to, to, to fully 180 an entire... Like, if you think of boats, like, I think is how me and Tony ended up thinking about this in planes, you can, like, on an axis, spin a plane round. You can, on axis, spin a boat round. Now, you can if you drop a fucking anchor, but you're still doing an arc. Do you know mm. what I mean? And so... We've made it the same thing. So um, based on that, there's certain um, ships that allow you to do more, but typically we have you being allowed to do one turn-based maneuver per turn of combat. Outside of that, you can do whatever, you know, like speed adjustment, things like that, going up and down as you please. Um, but the turns are typically we allow for one turn-based maneuver uh, per round of ship movement. And so that could be a full 90, which means it takes you two turns to get your 180. Or it could be, but you've also got to account for the fact that there's still forward momentum and things like that, which I won't even dive into at this point. Yeah. Um, but then you also, you could do, you know, a 45 and then a 45 and end up 90. So there is options to, you know, do that basically. And it, yes. and it is based on the size and the feats of the ship as well. So a ship might be really nippy, might be able to just like really be like tucking and diving and, and kind of moving around, but might not have like a lot of speed or something. Or a ship might be, you know, Dreadnought, which is definitely not going to be able to do much turning in a dramatic fashion, you know, over the course of a short period of time. So, um, depends on the ship size, what the ship's capabilities are, and uh, and, and that will impact how, how they can move, how they can turn. Anything else, Tony? No, I mean, I think you guys pretty much covered it. Um, our big... Our big thought, because at one point we did have an iteration where like, oh, yeah, you could, you, you know, you can give X amount and do this. Um, and this is one of those, uh, you know, the creative process. Um, I believe I had just mentioned that if a ship could flip all the way around 180, what are rules are we making to say that it gets ripped apart by the sheer force? And now <laughs> you have just your ship is not shrap metal. <laughs> because I couldn't, unless in like any ship, there's no way a ship that is like, 80 feet or longer is going to be able to just spin without having a bunch of people and things flying off it in six seconds. 
Uh, um, not, not to mention if you're moving at a speed of anything over fucking 30 miles per hour, you know, or, well, yeah. you know, yeah. Do we need to make a, a con money. check or you're dead? Like <laughs> there was a conversation you do this and there's a chance that just the whiplash kills you. Like, yeah. sorry, that's, well, we here, want it here, to be fun, but not ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And here, well, here's an additional consideration. So there are, if, if I'm thinking of, like, again, the boating analogy, there are now, you know, the big cruise ships, like the Carnival Cruise Line ships. Oh, they, they can, in a stationary position, they can turn. Yeah. So they can turn 180, they can turn 270, whatever. They can turn, but they have to be stationary. They have their their propeller system allows them not to have to kind of make a big old arc. Yeah. So there yep. is that, and we could actually have that as potentially something that a, a ship could do. But it needs to be like a ship needs to be flying. It needs to be moving to stay up in the air, or unless it has something that that is keeping it stationary, so that it can make Depends that kind of parts. rotation. Depends on the parts. Exactly. So Depends the point the is. Parts. The point is, it's very, very dependent on on the the features of the ship, the size, the the other aspects of the ship, on how fast it can move, what what the different um, dynamics are of its movement. I think something yep. that's also important while we're talking about all of this to just remind everyone over and over again, and it's and you will see it in the book in a hundred times, and I will keep reminding you in this book because it's super important that you guys remember this is that this book is a like, you know that scene in Pirates of the Caribbean where freaking, what's her name, is talking to the the ca the Captain Barbosa guy and she's like, yeah, the Pirates guidelines, parlay! And he's like, yeah, it's less rules and more guidelines, you know, we're kind of, you know. Nope. And that's exactly where we are. Though we've made this system to work with the system, if you want to alter it and go about it your own way, so if you want to make it in space and... Uh, you know, a ship could 180 and use thrusters to manage their spatial turning, which is a lot more reasonable for a space situation. You can customize anything and everything in this book. And that is super, super important. Is, mm. You know, it might break things. It definitely might break things. But what I will say is there are more than 100% of, of what we've got. We've made it so that you could make it fit your system, use this, not use that, adjust this to make it do this. And I think that's such a big part of it is it's like, that's why we've written, cool, build your own air zones so that you can make it in any way that you want, you know? And it can be as simple as like, cool, you know, I'm going to have a different, I'm going to add another wind direction to our, our thing. I'm going to add, you know, this, that, or the other. And it, it can be something where, you build it yourself based on the, the system and the situation that you have. So use this as, you know, if you want to go basic, use the core book. It's easy. The rules are right there. They're written for you. You don't have to think. But if you want to go outside of that and homebrew it into something mm. that suits your situation, we love that. Do your thing. We are totally, totally cool with that. Yeah. The only thing I'd add to that is just remember that, that Bodhi and I were GMs. So we... There are a hundred things that I have found online or in any of these books here where I went, that's an awesome idea. Changing that, though. Mm. We've all done it. We're not going to be offended. Don't worry about offending us on that. We're not going to, you know. Yeah. We know how it goes. We also, being game masters, also want to make it as simple as possible because we don't want to have to do extra math. Um, and that has been a lot of, 
there have been numerous times where, hey, what if we did this? We had this. And then one of us just be like, that's way too complicated. Mm. I wouldn't do it. I can't expect anyone else to. So, you know, though, obviously, you know, do what you will. This has been made a lot. This entire system has been made from a, we know that GMs have a thousand and a half things going on at any one given instance. And now we're throwing you in the air. We have tried to make that as approachable as possible so you can get to the cool part, which is actually running the game and having fun and blowing stuff up yeah. and doing all the crazy stuff. And we also hope to mitigate some of that crazy DMness because adding rules anywhere is yes. make it crazy no matter what. Um, the, the the whole you know uh, idea that um, sorry I've just lost my train of thought message. Well, that's all right. I, Remind me where we're at. Sorry, I just. No, I, I think what I was going to say is, is to, to that regard, um, how simple it is or how complicated it is. So we do have a preference. I think my, my general preference is to be as much role play as possible. Um, but, but we also do accommodate. If you, are, if you are loving crunchy stuff, if you actually do love the numbers, you can ratchet this up. You yeah, can ratchet yeah. it up and make it as crunchy as you want. You totally can. You can make it way crunchier if you want to. This is very crunch friendly. Yeah. Very but crunch friendly. This yeah. is, so what I was going to say is we're actually trying to help you guys out as well. Complementing you know, this, some of this complication and adding new rules by creating a GM combat tracker and a player ship combat tracker. And what it will be is it will be um, something that you can print that will be dry erase that, you know, if you want to go get laminated or something like that, you know, something that you can go print yourself. Or even if you just want to print, you know, ones that are paper that you could write on and use an eraser, standard old school um, character sheet style, um, then you can do that. And it will have, you know, kind of like a mixture of like a DM screen and, and like an initiative tracker. It's going to give you, you know, parts of the ship that you're going to be able to fill in. It's going to give you, you know, the, the zones. It's going to give you a little bit of info. And, Hopefully it will just condense it all down so that you don't have to be like flipping through the book every couple of minutes because we, we, we also really, really don't want that. And I know for me as a, as a GM, I constantly am surfing the internet for resources that simplify that process for me um, instead of having to actually leaf through a fucking paper book, which while lovely to hold in your hand is great. But in the moment, in the middle of a D&D set, like when you're trying to find out what fucking – power word kill it does exactly it kills oh exactly it's not the moment it's not the moment um but uh, yeah i think uh, i think that's you know important for us to say you know the whole have we decided thing is really big. have we decided whether we're uh including a dm screen in the kickstarter is that still to be debated as far as whether it's going to be a stretch goal or if it's going to be a part of it definitely going to be including the gm and player trackers i think the dm screen is something that we're debating at this point because we want to we want to (laughs) there's a lot more logistics than that yeah yeah i'm just picturing alex artwork yeah Yeah, yeah, and I, it could be it could be a, a cool um, piece of art would be stunning. The piece of art would be awesome. Like a, a it, battle going on. Yeah. Um, so don't, that, get, that don't could, get me excited. <laughs> I want that. <laughs> um, so that could be that could be uh, something that is. Would you say it's a stretch goal or a tier? The DM DM screen. Uh, it will be it will be a stretch goal. Stretch goal. Yeah. Yeah. If, if anything. 
Um, Hokage saying, yeah, I might be stealing that end of turn ship movement idea for a home game. Lol. Dude, please do it. We, we like, we love it. Love it. And, and when we get the book out to you, um, we hope that you can properly get those movement rules and, and utilize maybe that section of our book for your game and keep all your stuff. You know, that would be great to see as well. And, and definitely gospelize what you're hearing, dude. If you, if you think it's cool, fucking shout it out to your players, shout it out to, you know, to other forums or anywhere else to, to get more people on board. I think um, it's, it's something that, again, we play tested it. It's fucking cool. Um, so hope, yeah. hope to, to spread the word that way as well. The, the one thing I'll add. Oh, all right, go ahead, buddy. I was just going to say, you know, though we can't share too much about some of this stuff, I just want to make it blanketly clear. We are going to set you guys up so that it is as easy to run this as possible. Yeah. That is our goal. Mm. That is all I will say. They've sworn me to secrecy. <laughs> um, I want to shout out to Bellissima. Uh, Yo, Nick, thank you for showing up in the chat, dude. It's been ages since I've spoken to you. A, a, a player friend of mine who I used to play in a game with. What's up, dude? So awesome to uh, to see you, man. Um, also, so we, we've gone through the questions that we had on Discord um, at the moment. Do you want me to quickly see if there's been any more? Do you want me to just quickly? Sure, and then it might be good to share. Yeah, and then we'll share the last little bits and round this bad boy out. Let me have a little look see. You got anything else? Um, nothing there. Let me just have a look on here. No, I think we're I think we're all good. Cool. I think we I think we ended up all right. Yeah, I think we're all good. Cool. Amazing. So no more questions in Discord. That's all done. So I'm gonna switch back over to the other page so you guys aren't gonna see our faces, but we're gonna start putting some stuff on screen uh, for you guys to enjoy looking at um, quickly. So first thing I'm gonna do is just re-show you guys the front cover of the book, just for anyone who hasn't seen it. This is what the front cover of the book is going to look like. Remember that the book is called Sky Zephyrs, Galmar and Sapper's Comprehensive Guide to Airships and Sky Combat for D&D 5th Edition. Uh, Galmar and Sapper are the characters that Tony and I created that represent us. They're NPCs that are us in our world. Um, and uh, they're, they're the ones that have written the book alongside with Tom's character, who's uh, who's in the background for a lot of the, uh, you'll see a, a lot of the chapter art and things like that. And we've included the characters a decent amount throughout the book. And uh, each chapter has a, a quote from the characters as well, which is cool. If you actually find, and you, you'll probably find uh, a representation of that book cover, if you zoom in on it, you will actually see those characters in there. You'll see Tony's character on top of the blimp casting. What spell is it casting right now? He's using Mage Hand to lift an arrow. Into a, into a magical crossbow. And Bodhi's character is at the helm, but looking back saying, fuck, there's a firebolt coming for you, fucking Tom. And I'm, I'm, on, the, uh, I'm on the fan there, uh, trying, to trying to repair some shit that's, that's smoking and shit, but I can see another firebolt coming right at me. So um, in the spirit of- You guys missed, you guys missed our, our, our fourth member. You guys missed Luna of oh, the Silver oh, Sphere. Oh, there My cat familiar that ate a banshee. <laughs> that, that, that Luna is right there. Luna is right, right there. Luna's so right there. She's not here with me. She's sleeping, but still. So yeah, we're re really proud of the artwork. The artwork is. Yeah, I think the other thing that I think is really cool about the artwork. Sometimes you get um, a lot of different artists working on things, and thematically, it kind of fits sometimes, and it kind of doesn't fit sometimes. And we've thought it really important 
to to make the artwork as complementary and consistent as possible throughout the book. So we've um, we're, we're relying on our, our main artist to do that, along with a layout artist that's we feel is very complementary. So hopefully you'll see that throughout. You'll see a real like a language of art that whether it's the fonts and the art and the layout and the little you know little different assets that um, surround the tables and things like that so super super excited and pleased with how that's all developing 100%. Uh, i'm going to quickly just once again uh show those uh the new pages that we have as well for you guys the the, the pdf that we will be sending out i'm just going to quickly run back through that super quick just so you guys get one last look so we've got our page number one is an example of what chapter pages are going to look like this is a specifically the creatures and mounts ones on the left you have quotes from galmar and sapphire on the right you have an intro at the top you have a gorgeous piece of art with a funky title in between that um then following that uh, the second page is actually the very first page of chapter one of our book but um it's the beginning of the air zone rules within this book basically um and talks about our air zones and the effects that that all has and then the final page page three of this little pdf that you guys will be receiving in our discord um tomorrow um is uh how to build your own um custom air zone and uh, we'll be getting an updated version of this with a couple more pages um in a couple of weeks for you guys but this is what we want to give you just to start off with we would love feedback on the layout of the font of whether you enjoy the color scheme and all that kind of stuff let us know um your guys opinions about that as well as also the content we'd love to hear your guys opinions about all of that so that's that um next thing is let's talk about minis should we talk about minis let's sure talk about minis so yes. um I'm going to put this on screen quickly for everyone. So what you should see now is a little slideshow of a mini that we have, one of our NPC crew members of one of the example airships we will be giving you guys in the book um, for you to run in your games if you can't be bothered to, uh, to build an airship or something like that. Um, you then have the ability to just use an example one. Um, and what you see on screen is a character that belongs to one of the airships. Her name is Fiori. She is a half-orc pirate um, and is a joint first mate. Um, she uh, shares the role with someone else um, and is a ferocious warrior, um, a super, super badass person who is very, um, you know, methodically spoken and uh, very articulate. Um, and um, so what you have, though, is this gorgeous STL, and we will be providing with some tiers of the Kickstarter um, STL files, so um, mini files basically for you to print out minis. This is an example of what one of those minis would look like if you painted Fury. Um, and we'll be providing, I believe, when the Kickstarter finally goes through, we're hoping somewhere between 16 and 20 um, STLs that we'll, you will be able to use yourself to print out and create minis of these crews. So if you do do anything in person with your players, you'll have those be able to you know, do it on the table and things like that, which we're super, super stoked about. Do you want to talk a little bit more about this process and yeah. what, the, what the art team has gone into? Because you work closer with them. Uh, than I do at this point based on, you know, the fact that I'm doing so much writing and whatnot. Do you want to dive into that a little bit? So the the art team consists of Victor and Josh at this point, but we also have someone um, that's remote that's doing some test printing. His name is Ignis. 
of the the resultant STL. So Victor, his primary, let me take a step back. The first step is to take artwork that has been created from a character. And that artwork is actually created by, by our artist that's done the, the book cover and the other aspects of the book. That artwork is then transitioned into what we call a character sheet. The character sheet is something that, um, that Josh creates for Victor, and then Victor takes that character sheet, which is kind of like, it's almost like a, uh, a, a, a description and a format of what that character would look like on a 2D piece of paper, transformed then into a 3D STL file. So the character sheet is first, Sorry, it's usually like, you know, kind of like, T-pose, called T-pose. Yeah, T-posed out, and then that is passed to Victor. And then Victor will take, you know, a, a while to, to build a platform, to put it in a pose, to then build out things like texture, clothing, hair, weapons, you know, all sorts of stuff that takes a while, because, you know, basically, it's almost like building out, it's almost, you know, we call, sometimes we call it mashed potatoes, and moving those mashed potatoes in, in aspects of, that look like clothing, look like, you know, look at Fiori right now, all of those wrinkles and pleats and, you know, her teeth and her braids and skull and swords and, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty insane. So that takes Victor a, a period of time. Once the XT STL file is completed, we then send that STL file to our print tester, Ignis, and Ignis will print test the STL files to see if they are actually printable. We don't want you to get SDL files from you and then for you to say, what the fuck, this doesn't like, this isn't, my, my printer isn't, been able, isn't able to print these. So we take them through a series of test prints, then we come back, modify, 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 make sure that it's all cool. And then from there, this step is just sending that STL file back to Josh and he will color it out and, and sort of texture it out so that you can see a real representation of what an STL could look like if you took out your very fine paintbrush and, uh, and painted it up and then used it as a mini in a an IRL game. So yeah, so that will be available to you guys pretty damn soon. Quickly, actually, Hokage hopping in the chat again with a question saying, actually, question, if both ships move at the end of the round, how do you lock in movement to avoid players changing their minds when the enemy ship moves first? Or avoid the DM making too smart choices as when uh, they see the players first move? So the answer to that is uh, two, in, in two parts. How do they lock it in? So... The way you do that is you make a player who is at the helm use an action to choose what they do. Then that's them locking in for that turn. Now another player could come in, switch places with them, and do another set of actions if there's any movement left, if you wanted to. And then you've got to deal with both of those kind of movement things if you if, if that's how you want to do it. But um, to the question of how do you stop that whole like almost meta gaming situation is. One thing, DMs are constantly dodging that meta game. Our, in some cases, we actually live in that space, and it's, you know, a lot of players don't often realize, and, and, and things like that, that, you know, as a GM, you're constantly making decisions in that space. And often cases, it's not to fuck players over, over and in most happenstances, it's to see players succeed. Um, and so that would be one thing I would say. So, um, But also, I would say, if you do really want to make it super, like, separated no one knows it's very like you have no idea you if you're doing it online you have the player who's choosing to do the action 
send that action, you know, to, you know, a chat or some, or, you know, a channel that no one is accessing until, you know, it gets, it gets opened up at the end of each turn or, you know, some, something like that. Um, or if you're in person, you can write it on a piece of paper, flip it over, put it in the center of the table away from anyone. So no one can do it. DM, same thing. And at that point, the players can discuss it. And then the person who's making the action just writes it down quietly and flips it over. They don't even have to say to the table, you know, this is what I'm going to do. They can be like, cool, I'm going to take my action to do some movement, um, write it down, um, and then DM will do their thing, and then it'd be like, cool, end of the turn, let's flip the cards and see what we did. Oh, shit, like, we flew into each other, or oh, we, we separated out, out completely, you know, that kind of thing. So anonymity can be achieved by just, uh, by just you know, um, blindfolding the situation, mm. I guess is how I'd describe that. Yeah, anything to add to that, Tony? Yep. No, I mean, I think the the main idea is to ensure that you don't, nobody has that advantage, right? Mm. Nobody gets to move first, nobody gets to move second. It's the movement happens at the same time. Um, and so it's, we try and set it up. And so the battle map is constantly shifting. Mm. But it's also, you know, it depends on what kind of DM you are. If you're a, you know, me versus the player DM, you may want to come up with rules where you don't have that that inside information of knowing what they're doing. Uh, but a lot of us DMs are all about you know what is plausible and what is going to make the best story. So having that information, you know, behind the screen is isn't necessarily a bad thing, depending on the kind of game that you and your players are running. Mm. Uh, it gives you a lot of power to make things incredibly dramatic. Yeah. Uh, while still keeping things fair. So. Yeah. Great. I think. Do we have any other assets? That's that's everything, isn't it? No, no, no. I've got. I've got. Do you have more? Yeah, yeah. I've got one more. All right. One more for everyone. So can, I, can I just right. also add to 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 the the um, STLs? So Bodhi said there's going to be 16 to 20. What we've done is we've basically separated it out into crews. So we have. About four approximately to, four, four to five SDLs, NPCs. Yeah, per four crew. to five characters per crew, and so you will have Infuria's part of a crew that you, you know she has a role, and there's other aspects of crew titles and things like that. So picture it that way. So there'll be three or four ish crews that will be part of the core uh, Kickstarter. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um, cool. Last thing to talk about is what will be coming up next. So we spoke about. Um, the next couple of pages of the air zones will be coming out. The thing that will be coming out after that is our first example pages of what creature and um, the, the, the creature and mount section of the book will look like, what stat blocks and things like that look like on the page um, and whatnot. So um, first of all, I just want to show this piece of art. This is a fluffy little worker cloud bee. Um, who is, uh, who's, who's very, very adorable and very hard to resist. Um, also very useful to anyone traveling in the congestion air zone, very useful to, um, many people for actually a lot of different reasons, actually, as it so happens. But, um, we're super excited because this section about, uh, about creatures and mounts that we will be releasing will be uh, entirely based around cloud bees. We will be giving you guys access to uh, cloud bees, uh, worker cloud bees, and warrior cloud bees, as well as also a host of lore about them as mm. well, which we're super, 
super, super excited about. Oh, uh, Tony, yeah, it's been fun. Tony, anything you want to talk about, Cloudbees? Anything you want to, like, hype up or, uh, or anything you want to mention about that? So you were talking earlier, we were talking about um, it, trying to engage in combat in the sky with the natural, the natural thing. Now, Cloudbees are a perfect example. And depending on which one you want to throw at your players... Excuse me, I got so excited I couldn't talk. Um, we'll determine, you know, how you want this to go. For instance, worker bees, bigger, scarier, do more things. Uh, they have their own hive tactics, which is super fun. Warriors. But imagine... Know. What did I say? You, uh, did I mix the workers. two? Yeah, yeah, it's all good. Okay. Well, I, I can't talk or think. Um, <laughs> but then you have those, the warriors, then you have the workers, um, where you could just imagine a scenario where this little medium-sized big bumblebee lands on your ship and all of a sudden one of your one of the other players uh, just thinks it is the cutest goddamn thing they've ever seen and they must protect it see what happens from there yeah, yeah. exactly what do you guys it's, do now he's not gonna I, you know he or she's not gonna let you touch that thing won't yeah. won't let you mechanically they can't <laughs> <laughs> so there's you know that's all i'll say on it for now you guys will see it when we release that but um you know, that's the kind, you know, leading back into our design, we want to give you as much flexibility as possible to keep things interesting while you're in the sky. And Cloud Bees are awesome. Exactly. Cool. I'm going to flip back to us and we'll round this bad boy out as I think we've we've come to a nice, nice end point. Um, anything that you want to add, Tony, anything that you want to say um, before we, we kind of end this? Anything you want to say to the masses? Uh, just it's been a blast. Uh, always have a great time doing these. Looking forward to the next one. Uh, happy holidays to everyone. Yeah. Um, and we'll be back. We'll be back. Don't you worry. We'll be back. Um, and bring your questions. Yeah. Bring your questions. 100%. Let's let's yeah. have some fun. Bring more questions, even more. And we we'd also love to address some of the feedback we get on the first couple PDFs that we release out as well. That would be really really great. Yeah. Um, is something I'll note. Um, other than that as well, make sure um, in the description there is a bunch of links that you can see down there as well. Um, if you are interested in keeping up to date with our content and getting free D&D supplements to use in your games um, that I have maybe even used in my games because I actually release a lot of stuff that I don't actually use in any of the Skyrim stuff. Um, like, for example, this prison map that I've been using for another campaign that, you know, it is set in the Skyrim, but it's a completely different campaign to our actual play. So uh, if you're interested in that, it's completely free of charge. Um, there's a link below. Um, as well as that, we're building a Discord community. Now with things like Twitter and other social medias kind of dying out and algorithms becoming terrible, um, come on over to our Discord server. We've got a beautiful community of regular people who are constantly talking in the chats, sharing creative ideas, creative thoughts, sharing pieces of artwork and things that they're creating, uh, as well as also just shooting the shit, sharing memes, you know, just general life support as well. I know we've had people be really down and everyone's kind of come around and support each other. We like to say it's, you know, and we've always said this at Homie and the Dude, you guys are our familia. Um, so, you know, having you guys be a part of that would be an absolute pleasure and an honor. And it, again, it's just a good way for you to stay in contact with our amazing community and get the best from our community as well as we also have amazing creative, 
in there. Final thing I'll say about the Discord server, if you happen to like mixed martial arts, another good place to hang out as well. We have a, we have a good section for that. Um, link in the description for all of that. Anything else from you? Next thing that's on my radar is putting together a Kickstarter pre-launch page. So we will have that pre-launch page up probably after the holidays, but not too far into, it's probably, I'm thinking in January at some point. So we're gonna start putting that out on the newsletter and in the Discord for you to transfer um, onto the, to the pre-launch page as well so that you get that notification as soon as we go live on the Kickstarter. And that will, that will kind of hit the green light and get us all head in the direction we want to go into. Let me just also shout out everyone that has been active, uh, both in the chat, but also um, that has uh, contributed questions to, uh, to the channel as well. So the Truth Seeker, thank you very much. Um, Ranks of Roth, thank you. Platinum Bullet, thank you so much. Um, Baz, GC, you're a homie. So thank you very much. Shout out also to Nira Tree, Hokage, 8,900. Shout out to Reven, our man. Um, shout out as well to, um, who else was it? I saw another one in there. Where did you go? Uh, Velissima as well. Um, thank you all you guys who came into the chat. And also guys, just generally thank you for supporting us on this journey. Like we will be doing another live stream tomorrow, Tom and I, which is our, our Metacast, our end of year. Um, live stream, which we're mm. really, really excited about, and we're looking forward to uh, having having some fun with you guys on that live stream, where we'll just be recapping fun moments throughout the year and stuff that's been going on. Um, so yeah, um, we'd love to see a bunch of you guys there, and it's going to be mainly about thanking you beautiful people, because we can't do this without you guys. We do this, you know, for and with you guys, so, you know, Thanks for just being part of this fucking journey and getting us to this moment and mm. every moment past this. We appreciate every single one of you very much, more than more than we could ever put in a message or anything like that. So just want you to know that, yeah, it means a lot, very, very much. Um, anything else? I think that's it. Tony, you have any closing thoughts, remarks? Good to see you again, homie. Yeah. We will, we will... Happy <laughs> holidays. <laughs> Happy holidays. <laughs> yeah. If you guys are celebrating, have a great holiday. Spend time with family. Love one another. Um, if you're not celebrating holidays, enjoy that no one will be fucking about and everyone will be in the house. Go do some shit. <laughs> Go get out and enjoy open yep. spaces that won't have people in them. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Um, but anyway, have fun. thank be you safe. so much, guys. Right, we'll catch you.